Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. And I know I get sad every time I say it, but I'm still going to get sad, okay? just You're just going to have to deal with it. We are wrapping up Christian Bale Month, although we still have Christian Bale B-Day trivia. I didn't say the full word, so I think that counts. Coming up, we haven't scheduled that yet, and I haven't done any trivia questions yet. I may just reuse the ones from last year. Who knows? I don't know what we'll do. We'll see how that goes. So we do still have that, but we are wrapping up this part of it. And I always get sad because I love, love, love this month so much, so much. Um, But I'm not starting that fourth podcast, okay? Uh, (laughs) It's not happening, okay? I already have this one. Then I have a monthly one with Jen. And then the It's a Dean thing is going to be bi-weekly. So it's it's not happening. But anyway, we are wrapping up with public enemies but i'm very happy to have with me the two lovely hosts of bedwetter behead pod carla and meg (laughs) (laughs) yes and by the time you're listening to this we will have revealed our nominees for our second annual fandom choice awards and Just a little hint, hint. I'm not going to tell you how many because they don't know yet. But both my panelists have been nominated for at least one Fandom Choice Award. We have 18 categories. The ballot is live now. It'll be in the show notes so you can vote for your favorites, including maybe, maybe one of the Christian Bale Month episodes from last year. We shall see. I mean, well, actually, those that's a category, so those are going to be on there. I feel like <laughs> that's not a spoiler. Certain that one of the Christian people <laughs> <laughs> is going to win. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, from last this contest year. is rigged. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, nominators. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very excited to be talking about this movie primarily because of the panel that I have here and. This was one that Meg will give me a hard time because kept having it on the schedule and then it kept getting bumped. <laughs> Years. So I knew I knew this year. Years. I knew this year when we ended up having to bump one because of personal things that were going on. I was like, there's no way I can bump this, or Meg will probably, I don't know, <laughs> hunt me down. I'll just sob. 
But the reason I say that, and um, we'll get more info on this, especially later on when we have our special guest arrive, but Meg was in Public Enemies, so Meg will have lots of stories to tell, which we will get to those, of course. Uh, But I want to give her co-stars, because Meg, of course, was the reason this movie even worked at all, was because of Meg's (laughs) courtroom scene, and also another scene that I'll have her go over, too. Um, (laughs) But if you don't know what Public Enemies is about, and we're spoiling this movie, but, I mean, it's about real people, but still, we're going to spoil it. It's from 2009, so I don't, so, you know, hey, you had your chance to see this. Yeah, the child I was pregnant with can almost drive, so. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, you've had that <laughs> long of time. And it is on Stars right now, or you can rent it, too. Uh, but this is about uh, the feds try to take down notorious American gangsters, John Dillinger, Babyface Nelson, and Pretty Boy Floyd during a booming crime wave in the 1930s. I hate that description because... Pretty Boy Floyd is in here for like two minutes. I know they cut like a lot of stuff from this movie, but still. And also Pretty Boy Floyd died two weeks after Dillinger and Babyface Nelson lived also after John Dillinger. That's my annoyance. All of this is made up. (laughs) And the points don't matter. Yeah. So anyway, so this is directed and co-written by Michael Mann. It's also written by Ronan Bennett and Biederman. And it's based on the book by Brian Burrow. The book is called Public Enemies, America's Greatest Crime Wave and the Birth of the FBI, 1933 to 34. And it stars, of course, Christian Bale as Melvin Purvis, Johnny Depp as John Dillinger, uh, Jason Clark as Red Hamilton, Stephen Graham as Babyface Nelson. Man, a crush from my teenage and preteen years. Steven Dorff as Homer Van Meter. Um, Carrie Mulligan in two seconds of screen time as Carol Slayman. She, I think she had more screen time than Channing Tatum. Yeah, Channing Tatum is the one who plays, of course, um, Pretty Boy Floyd. And you have to scroll. I just, I'm just, and the reason I'm listing her last is because it's so weird to me and yucky. That on IMDb, you have to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll until you come to probably, arguably, the third star of this movie, Marianne Cotier, who plays, um, and now she's totally disappeared from the IMDb list here. Billy, Billy Frechette. Thank you. Erasure. Yes, but seriously, you had, yeah, Billy, Billy Frechette. Thank you. Um, but you do, you have to scroll like past people that don't have pictures on IMDb. And she is arguably the third star of yeah, this movie. This this cast list doesn't make lists. You have to scroll pretty far to uh, find Billy Crudup, too. And he well, yeah, that's... Jay. Oh, yeah, Billy Crudup is in here, too, as Jay Gerger. Um, but anyway, so we are going to go ahead and get right into this movie. So first, what we... I want to start off with, like we always start with Christian Bale Month, is I want to know, Carla... What do you think of Christian Bale's performance in this movie and of his character, who is based on a real person, Melvin Purvis? Okay. Now, listen, you know I love Christian Bale. You know how much I love him. I think he's unbelievably talented. I think he works so hard. But sometimes in this movie, I felt like, is he kind of phoning it in a little bit? I I think it's... 
possibly more that the character is written kind of blandly. It's like a very vanilla reduction of of this particular, you know, in a movie that has like things that are historically inaccurate and, you know, just wild embellishments and everything like that. They made Melvin Purvis really kind of one note. And I think that Christian did his best with the material that he had. But the reason that it doesn't come across as like a shining example of his work is that the writing wasn't there and he did the best that he could. But there's only so much you can do to redeem poor writing. So I was like, oh, I don't I don't know how I feel about this particular performance. But again, I I think, you know, once you take into account how kind of a botched job this this all ended up being, he did what he could with what he had. I'm I'm trying so hard. Okay. I'm trying so it's hard okay. to be like, it's not your fault, baby. It's not your fault. They did you wrong. But when it comes down to it, it just wasn't the most um I don't know. It's not one of those performances that sticks out of my mind when I think about, about Christian Bale. And it doesn't help that the guy's name was Melvin. <laughs> I'm sure that factors in. It's like, how do you write an exciting Melvin? And his last name was Purvis. So he couldn't even yeah. be like a yeah. cool nickname. He couldn't even be like, oh, pervy, because that's gross. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I just think that it was a confluence of issues that led to a subpar outing for our boy Chrissy V. Yeah, I feel like. I, I agree with you about the writers. I feel like they really tried hard to avoid any controversy that Melvin Purvis was maybe a part of. And in doing so, they really took away a lot of the nuance of the character. And I think that's something that Christian Bale really thrives on are those little yeah. those little pieces. And we don't know a ton about about Melvin Purvis. We know some. I mean, we know especially his his time in the beginning of the FBI. But I feel like when you think and when you look at other roles Christian Bale has taken and has has worked on, and then you see this one, I can't help but think, why? Like, what drew him to this character? And I honestly thought the movie was pretty kind uh, to Melvin Purvis in a lot of ways. Not that Melvin Purvis, like, obviously I didn't know this man, but... Little Bohemia, like that that whole thing where that's where they kill Babyface Nelson in the movie and stuff like that. That was considered one of the worst failures of the FBI for almost 60 years after it happened. They killed wow. civilians because they just opened fire willy-nilly. And they didn't catch anybody, any of the gangsters that were there. They just killed bystanders because they didn't necessarily realize because they rushed into it and they just decided to shoot and babyface nelson they all got away babyface nelson died after dillinger died and they try i think they felt like they tried to show him as like not like the other cops when those two fbi agents were roughing up billy which also did not happen um that happened to babyface nelson's wife it didn't happen to billy Frechette. um and he like He's the one who saves her from mm-hmm. from being beaten up by the cops and and like he's very much like not like the other cops in a lot of ways. He has this sense of honor that the other FBI agents don't necessarily have. And rather than letting 
frankly, letting us see the conflict that I feel like had to be happening with, with this man doing this job, they were very much like, well, he's the good guy, but also he's not like sexy and debonair like Dillinger is. And they did the same thing with Dillinger. They really kind of romanticized both of them in a lot of ways for this movie. And I think it took away from anything that Christian Bale could have really brought to it. Like, I joked that this was like Christian Bale's most mediocre kind of movie that he w- that he was in because he's just not, he does a good job in it. Like, but there's nothing, there's no depth that I feel like, especially if you do something like this month where you're spending a whole month reviewing his work and his in his body and his artistry you don't really see much of any of that in this movie it feels very much like he's like well this is a job and it's a paycheck and it feels and which is just which is disappointing because michael mann genuinely is known to be a very good uh director and writer so i don't i don't know what confluence events happened that made this kind of yeah. Um, but it does kind of fall flat, and I just feel like it's because they wrote a very generic G-Man, slapped Melvin Purvis's name on it, and said, here you go, Christian. Because even, even J. Edgar Hoover feels more complex in this movie. Yeah. And he's in, like, four scenes. Yeah. So... Yeah, I am completely in the same boat. This is my least favorite Christian Bale performance ever. This could be why I kept removing it from the schedule and putting it back. There are some other ones that I'm not as excited about that we'll be covering later, but this was one that was pretty low down just because as far as like, if we're talking about Christian Bale and we're looking at his performances, this is not a good performance. And I remember when I when I saw this movie in the theater, I saw this movie in the theater and I remember I left and um, I said, this is the first time I understand why some people don't like Christian Bale as an actor. Wow. And Christian Bale is my absolute favorite actor, okay? But there's nothing in here feels real or authentic to me. And it's a very, um, and it is a very thinly written character. But Christian, he he spent like months with the family. It's not like he didn't do a bunch of stuff. He right. did his Christian Bale thing. But it still comes off as this character. I could not tell you who this person was at all. I could not tell you if this person was even real. I had no idea. This person doesn't even seem to be a flesh and blood. The only thing I know is this person is in the FBI and he's supposed to be a little bit kinder than the other people, but he's still an asshole in my mind. So it's like I don't, I don't either. And there's no charisma there that usually you would see with Bale. And what's so interesting to me, and I, I do not like Johnny Depp as a person at all. I do not like Johnny Depp. I want to say that. But what's interesting when you watch the two of them, like, they don't really have many interactions together at all. They have one scene. But when you watch the two of them in this movie, and you're watching scenes with Johnny Depp, and then you're watching scenes with Christian Bale, and Christian Bale is actually younger than Johnny Depp, which you would not believe that if you watch this movie in my opinion right um but you're watching them and you're watching these two and johnny depp for all that i hate him in real life is very charismatic and kind of just like even though i hate the character 
but he's very charismatic and he very much carries like the whole movie and he kind of like radiates in a way and you get to know the character you know who this character is at least their interpretation of the character i'm not saying this is who that person was in real life because we glamorize these people all the time but with christian bale you don't get that at all and so it's like his scenes are so flat that it's kind of like reading or like watching like a employee hand employee manual play like training video and i and i and i know it's i love christian bale so much so it's hard and painful to put him down yes, so much yeah. but i just do not like him in this movie and so this is my absolute least favorite character honestly he's played i mean well if we're going by real life people no but this is my least favorite performance he's ever given and I mean, granted, I have never seen the Jesus movie, but <laughs> so maybe he's horrible in that, but he's just so bad. I just, I'm sorry. Maybe we should do the Christmas movie for Christmas, the the Jesus movie. I so agree with you, though, that this really romanticized and glamorized John Dillinger and, and that kind yeah. of situation. and. I do have some empathy for for John Dillinger and like no like so a lot of this stuff happens in Wisconsin happened in Wisconsin like a, I've been to Little Bohemia a lot of this stuff kind of happens in Wisconsin my my great grandfather was a bootlegger and stuff during prohibition and stuff like that so I have a little bit of like personal bias and stuff like that so I do have some empathy for for what created John Dillinger and and little boy John Dillinger that we don't really hear anything about, but it's something that I yeah. just know about because I know about because of the lore and the romanticizing, and also being in this movie, we heard, we learned so much about John Dillinger just from our local news stories when this movie was filming. But even if you don't get like a deep history from this movie about Dillinger's past, you get little snippets where you can understand, like, okay, this is why. He is ticking the why he is the way he is. And Johnny Depp, as much as I don't like Johnny Depp as a person, blah, blah, blah. He is very charismatic in this movie. Um, we don't get any of that with Purvis. And I feel like this was a real big misfire in this movie because I think this movie could have been so much more interesting if we knew Melvin Purvis and what his what brought him here and what his past is and what his motivations are. All we know of his motivations is catch the bad guys and be a good guy. Um, and help J. Edgar Hoover form the FBI. And that's really all we get. And I feel like this movie could have been so much more interesting had we spent time understanding where each of these men came from. And they, they, I don't really think they ever met really in real life. They maybe had a couple of brief things, but I don't think they were ever, like, Purvis didn't kill him. This there's lots of stuff um but i feel like this movie would have been much better and much better vehicle for christian bale if it had those elements and i do think a lot of it if it was not christian bale if it was just a different actor i think people would be a lot more forgiving because people are oh, yeah. not forgiving of this movie <laughs> no yeah. and, and it's not incorrect like like i was joking with you guys like what my grandmother passed away in 2012 and we had her watch this movie when it came out on DVD because I was in it and because I knew you could see me in it because I watched it in the theater because, of course, I did. We had a whole big 
Um, whole big premiere thing that was going on all over, like all over Wisconsin for it. And we watched it goes, well, I, I watched that for that. That's great. Like she, it was very much like, okay. <laughs> um, that was a movie that we watched and there was my granddaughter. <laughs> like we paused it where you could see me and we showed it to her and it was like this whole thing, but it it was not a good movie. And like, I, I, it's not, it's like I said, the most mediocre Christian male. The thing is, is Michael Mann is a very, very talented filmmaker. He it's re- not like he's is. not a good filmmaker. And it's like, you, what you kept waiting for in this movie and what you kept wanting to see is like a, a scene and they would have had to totally rewrite Christian's character, but a scene similar to when Robert De Niro and Al Pacino meet in Heat and they have the scene in um, where they're sitting in like the diner and they're talking and it's this very tense, very, I, I think Robert De Niro is absolutely excellent in that movie, but it's this very, very intense scene between two people that have been like legends in Hollywood and have this history of being like almost similar in some aspects, even though I don't think Al Pacino is that great of an actor. Um, but they, but they have some similarities in their, uh, work and in their past and stuff. And so I remember when Heat came out and what a big deal that was, that scene and having the two of them in a movie together. And so if you had had, like, if you had had Christian Bale's character have even just a tiny smidge of the charisma and the backstory that you get from John Dillinger it would have been so cool, even if it's not accurate to history, but none of this is, if they would have added some scene with the two of them that would have been similar to like that. out of sight. <laughs> out of Honestly, sight. that would have made it so much better. <laughs> like, why did those two dudes do that? Like, all the tension in this 30-second scene. <laughs> I mean, but it just would have been, like, so much more interesting. That would have been more interesting. I mean, it just would have been a more interesting thing and yeah so um but yeah and 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 when you were saying that meg with wisconsin and your family my dad's side of the family is from chicago and like my dad dated someone in the mafia i mean whose family was in the mafia and he has all these stories and my grandfather was one of the first people in jimmy hoffa's union and so i have all those kind of stories too so there is this part of me that you know, feels like this. Oh, I, I love those stories. Like that side of my family, I love hearing about much more than like my mom's side of the family. But because it's just like cool to me, that's just kind of cool. It's interesting. That like yeah. my dad dated someone whose family was in the mob and he was worried about breaking up with her because he didn't want to get killed. <laughs> that has to be like Valid. the most high pressure breakup situation where you're like, it's not, it's really not you. exactly like you you have to be to have like the best breakup the smoothest breakup on the planet (laughs) yeah and and i mean my dad told me a story you know told me a whole story about working on a greasy spoon and uh, some people came in with guns held up the greasy spoon and there was a cop drive you know walking by and he's waving to the cop and the cop's like oh hi he's like no i'm trying to get help (laughs) so all of these stories you know from chicago and then hearing other things like, you know, my grandmother worked in like from that side, worked in like a factory and that kind of work at that time. So 
I understand that. So it's like I had the same kind of thing. Like I usually like mafia movies, mob movies. I love those movies, even though I understand. I think they do a lot of like it's the same thing with like westerns. Like you know, they romanticize the bad guys a lot. But like you said, I understand a little bit of where that comes from. And you get, like you said, you get Dillinger dropping a few of those and dropping like the, you know, my dad beat me up and when I was a kid because he didn't know know any better kind of thing, kind of like yeah. these things that are dropped and other things as well. But I want to get to that, to the other characters and their performances. So, Carla, overall, what are your thoughts on the other characters and their performances? Are they better than... She's done. She doesn't want any help. Is she bringing Christian on this early after we badmouthed him? Oh, my God. Hi, Christian. Hello, everybody. I was outside taking a walk and have heard absolutely nothing. Oh, good. Oh, good. That's good. I was meandering through the streets of Broward County, Florida. And I must say, it is quite um unique. <laughs> it is a unique area of this vast country and that is all that i shall say however i did come in just in time to hear you speak about other performances in this movie and i wanted to jump in and get a head start so that i could greet my co-star hello again may hello it is wonderful to see you it's so nice to see you too, Christian. Although I'm used to seeing your back because I was standing behind you in the movie. Well, you are right. However, I, I did not want to be rude and show you only my back. But I suppose for all time's sakes. Oh my God. I'm sorry if that comes across as mooning you. That was not my intention. <laughs> well, Christian, tell us about that day because Meg, I know you said. Uh, before we started recording, you were talking about how you were, you're, Meg, you're in two scenes. So tell everybody first the two scenes you're in and then talk about the day that you filmed with Christian and you two can talk about that for a little bit. The, the You don't see me and Christian in the same frame in the movie because of the way it's cut together. Oh, wait. I, actually, I did that on purpose. I asked the director to not put us in the same frame because I was simply concerned that you would take away from my shine. That's so generous. I am seldom vain. I am so I, I try to be a modest man. To be a humble boy from England and Wales. But at that moment, I don't know what came over me. And I was consumed with concern. Now, please go on. <laughs> that was so generous, Christian. So generous. <laughs> So I was in the court arraignment scene in Indiana where they talk about like where he's like, keep me out of the federal prison. And they convince the sheriff there that she can hold on to him. She can make sure that he's fine and everything like that. I'm in that scene and Aaron can post the the picture of me in that scene on social media. If you look real hard, I'm like the only woman in the aisle behind Johnny Depp's character and that, and I'm, like, way in the back. I'm leaning into the aisle because the person next to me, bless his heart, like, this poor man did not realize how much smoking he was going to have to do 
after the first take because he smoked a whole cigarette in maybe about five minutes because he was nervous. He wound up smoking like five to seven packs in that shoot of unfiltered Lucky Strike cigarettes. It was horrible. I was newly pregnant and I felt so sick. I had to like lean away from him so I could maybe breathe. If you look, there's one time in that scene where there's a big puff of smoke and it's coming from the man next to me. So that's one of the scenes I was in. The other scene I am in with giant quote marks is Christian Bale is there too. Very briefly, it's when they're doing the junior G-men and they're like pinning everything like that. They do a really fast flash of like parents before they start doing their press conference. And I'm in there and I'm in the upper left-hand corner. And if you pause it, you won't still you still won't see me because the logo will come up on my face. So <laughs> But you're there. But I am there. And you got to be next to Christian. You both were together. And so, Christian, I want to know when you're making movies like this where you have tons of extras and people maybe that are local to the area because this was in Wisconsin, how does that add to the process for you? Like, does it make it richer? Or? Well, Ellen, first of all, I must say, on a very <laughs> serious note, on a very serious note, Ellen, I must say that I appreciate all of the efforts by all of the extras in every movie that I have been in. I have had the pleasure to work with so many wonderful people who, as you said, Meg, have to endure long hours of basically thankless work. Because as I understand it, you don't even get the good things that are crafty. So <laughs> that must feel absolutely horrible. I did not. I did not get the good things at crafty. Crafty was far away from where I was. And I am so sorry. And to, to speak to your uh, comment about the cigarette smoking, oh, I can only imagine how awful it must have been. I can just imagine myself getting an absolute migraine <laughs> with all of that smoke. Oh, goodness. I could not understand. It is ridiculous that you had to listen to, to inhale all of that smoke. How awful. <laughs> However, on a brighter note, I have to say that it was a pleasure to be on the same set with you. You may not have noticed, but I certainly noticed all of your efforts to not faint and to be a professional. I managed to hold it together. Yes, you did remarkably well. You're Kudos that, to you're you. You're a lot shorter. I'm sitting, Megan. This is what chairs do. It's all on my legs, <laughs> so I'm sitting. <laughs> so so then, Christian, on, on that note, when you're saying that, you know, Meg, you know, was able to prevent herself from fainting at the very sight of you. Has that happened to you before on sets? Have people fainted? No, please do not misunderstand. This is not the moment of vanity for me. I only meant that she was with child. Oh, okay. And she was hungry. And there were long hours. Okay. I was just thinking Carla has heard that story before about when I was hung about filming that day when I was hungry. <laughs> I've heard it too, but I just thought you were talking about that, that, you know, that 
that you that you are that some people are overwhelmed with the sight of seeing you in person, Christian. Oh, I cannot imagine. Usually, uh, I have heard that that might happen once or twice, but I always attribute it to low blood sugar. <laughs> it cannot possibly be about me. It cannot be about humble Christian Christian Bale. It is be I Chrissy B. I am only a man. So sorry, sorry, Christian. You had asked Meg to tell the story about. Please, yes. <laughs> it is a great story about uh, a pregnant woman's plight. A pregnant woman's plight. I will say, so the 80s in this movie were fantastic. Everyone in the crew that I interacted with were fantastic. Um, I found out I was pregnant very, very soon uh, before. Like, I think I found out I was pregnant. And then two days later, I was filming my first uh, scene, which was the courtroom scene. And then a few weeks later, I came back and I filmed the scene in Madison's Capitol Square, where I had that scene with Christian Bale. And I was there for so much longer than intended. I was walking around, like, I'm also, like, background in, like, streets. I have not looked hard enough for myself for walking up and down the street. But they were very, very nice about my costuming and everything like that. And so I was there for longer. And I somehow managed to miss lunch. It was very sad, and I was sitting in, like, our Capitol Rotunda, and, like, if you see the scene where, uh, at Jager Hoover, this is right before the scene that he comes out, where he's yelling at Melvin Purvis about not doing, like, being pissed off at him. This was the scene that they were filming in there while I was in there and just kind of resting, and it was break time, and, uh, (laughs) I saw Billy Crudup on the other side of the Rotunda. I was so hungry. Um, I hadn't, it was probably, it was like, it was mid to late afternoon and I'd been filming or been there in costume, in costuming and makeup and stuff since about six in the morning. And I had not eaten anything because the stuff that was available to us was stuff I couldn't eat when I was pregnant. Anyway, I saw Billy Crowd up and I damn near tackled the man because he was carrying pizzas, um, <laughs> like two slices of pizzas. And I was so hungry and the nicest AD in the world. Um, who knew I was pregnant, who the costume people had told him that I was pregnant. And he, I think he just saw the look in my eyes, like the feral <laughs> look in my eyes. And he brought a whole pizza for me to eat. <laughs> and it was very hard to eat without like trying not to get grease because I was also wearing vintage 1930s clothes. Like it was a very nice spiel, but he was a very nice man. It was just, I like, that was the time where my hormones and my hunger had me almost like running and tackling Billy Crudup because uh, he had pizza. Um, I did fall in Johnny Depp's lap. And that's a different story. And that was in the court scene because there was a lot of courts. And I am a very graceful woman. Well, I'm sure, Christian, you've probably had moments like that on set before when you've tripped or fallen or you've been so hungry or. Uh, I will say that I have to be agreeable. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he, that's why he gets paid the big bucks, and I got paid $200 for that day. Yeah, yeah, that's why I you're the millionaire. That was but... 13 hours of filming <laughs> that I got paid $200 for. <laughs> I shall say nothing uh, further. I will excuse myself, for you have much to discuss. Okay, <laughs> I wasn't done asking you questions. But okay. Oh, no, no, please, please do go on. I just. 
I just wanted to just say one other thing because I don't know if this is the last time we'll see you before the celebration for your day, um, your special day. I know. I don't Thank worry. Thank you. Good. Well done, Erin. Yes, I've it gotten It only better. took you three years, but you <laughs> And hopefully I don't break that, but who knows. Uh, but I did want to just give you a heads up, Christian. Uh, tomorrow night, we, well, it'll already have happened for people listening to this, but we are announcing our nominees for the Fandom Choice Awards. So are you going to be able to attend to watch them? Are you going to watch them with Carla? I don't know if Carla's going to be able to watch them, but are you going to watch them together? Well, if she allows me to watch, then I shall. If she doesn't, I shan't. I hope that is that that is a sufficient answer for you. It it it's it it will work. So, uh, but Christian, oh, good. I just want to say again, these months are such a big joy and pleasure for me, and so thank you for being a part of them. Thank you for having me on your podcast and allowing me to show all of my emotions. <laughs> the migraine, the serious, and the smile. There is, I, I, I do believe that there is more subtlety within them. However, uh, your experience may vary. Okay. Well, thank you, Christian. Thank you. Ta -ta. Nice to see you, Christian. Ta -ta. Well, let's go back to um, your thoughts on the other characters and their performances, Carla. I just hate. Even talking about that man, but Johnny Depp did a good job. Anyway, Marion Cotillard is a fantastic performer. I think, like I, I and stuff that that I that I've watched her in, I enjoy how she has this, uh, the combination of vulnerability and strength, and how she is able to bring that out in, um, in her performances. Like I, for me, especially in, um. In a, what was it, the the Dark Knight or the Batman Returns? I don't remember a Batman movie that she yeah, was the in. Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Yes. See, I was close. I was close. <laughs> she was was great in that, and she had a similar kind of grit in this in this movie. And I just enjoy watching her. I like looking at Channing Tatum whenever he's around. So yay for me. Not much to say about his performance. Just yay for me. <laughs> And I, I, I want, it's not a performance, but it's just the scene that, that final chase scene is, I love chase scenes. And this one, I just, I just really enjoyed. I, I love stuff with like, Oh, there's somebody hanging off the side of a car. Why? Why would you do that? I don't know, but it's really cool. So <laughs> I like that. I really like that. It made no sense half the time and it was so dark. That, like, when I was watching it on my phone, I turned up the brightness super high. And now that might be cinematography, that might be because I'm getting old, but it was, like, super dark for me. It's like when people complain about that last episode of the whole last season of, of Game of Thrones, that's me trying to watch the chase scene, parts of the chase scene of Public Enemies. But I still, I uh, got a kick out of that whole thing. Like, I, <laughs> I, I pulled it up on YouTube specifically so that I could watch just the chase scene because it was just <laughs> of this movie for me that's the most memorable thing and again it's not a performance but i'll take what i can get <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect so maggie 
I think what's so interesting about this movie is I feel like the actors who were in this movie did a lot of legwork to figure out who their characters were, and it just never came through. I agree about uh, Marion Cotillard. I think she did a great job playing Billy Frechette. I think she did what she could with what she was given. I think, honestly, of the three, she's probably the most wealth fleshed out, which is interesting considering we didn't get to learn a lot about her her life before and her life after Dillinger because they were only together for about a year like his his career was only his criminal career was only a year long if that which is really interesting in my opinion but i thought she did a fantastic job like we hate to say it but johnny depp is a good actor. He did a very yeah. good job. He was very charismatic. He embodied, I think, a lot of what I feel like John Dillinger would want to be seen as, regardless of whether or not any of that was accurate or correct to who he was as a person. But he did make it believable that this was someone who could commit crime upon crime upon crime, and people would just be like, you know what, that's fine. I think that's one of the more interesting parts of this movie is because it takes place during the, dep- uh, the Depression and people are all like, fuck the man. And because Dillinger didn't steal from people, he stole from banks. So many people were just so willing to let it slide because who fucking cares about the banks? The banks have been screwing us. Why not screw them? And they called him a Robin Hood, even though he never gave any money to anybody. Mm-hmm. He was very generous to himself. To himself and himself alone. But I just, I, I find it interesting. Billy Crudup did a good job of making me hate him as J. Edgar Hoover, because I just hate J. Edgar Hoover so much. But I feel like one of the real shortcomings of this movie is... For the amount of time we have of the movie, not a lot of it is spent actually on the characters. It's very much on the like, hey, we're going to shoot shit and we're going to make lots of bangs, bangs and noises and stuff like that. And we're going to have this shaky camera vibe. So it's almost like you're in the room with them, but we're not actually going to give you any substance. So it's really hard to talk about any of the characters, really. I think, God, I cannot even remember the character's name. But his buddy who, when they're at Little Bohemia, said that he felt like his time was coming, like he was about to die, and then he winds up dying very shortly after. I would have loved to learn more about that character. I want to know why these people decided to hitch their wagon to Dillinger's horse, because he was not tied to any major organized crime organization or anything like that. He was just a guy who started robbing banks for a year. And and he escaped prison twice, and that's what he was really, really famous for. So I just, I don't know, this is so far off what you asked about, and I'm sorry. Because <laughs> most of my thoughts are about the history that this movie is based on, less than actually about the movie. But yeah, I really think uh, Marion Cotillard is the highlight of this of this movie i think she does a wonderful job although i can't understand why she went back to this man after he left her standing on the sidewalk these dames these dames and their gams 
Nice stems. <laughs> I hate their relationship with a burning, burning passion. The whole scene at the coat check and where she's just like, I'm not your girl. Leave me alone. And when he's like asking her to repeat that stuff, I'll never do this to you. Da, da, da. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what a fucking asshole. I, I, it was so annoying. And then like him smacking the guy who was like asking for his coat. I'm sorry. He was asking for his coat. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He wasn't even being rude about it. He could have been so much ruder about that, but he wasn't. And then when he smacked, I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to fall head over heels for this guy. And he is such a dick. And so I hated their relationship so much. And she got put through such hell for this fucking asshole who was like I, I just I hate this character. I don't I don't really like any of the characters in this movie, I wanna say. I think that the performances are good from like I do think Johnny Depp is actually really th this movie showed why I used to think Johnny Depp was one of the best actors around. And then I thought Johnny Depp became lazy when he did Pirates of the Caribbean and then he just played those characters. But this kind of reminded me of why I thought he did some terrific work early on, like um, the movie Blow. I think he's fantastic in that movie. So he's really good, but I hate the character. But I don't think you should necessarily like this character. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, but I just didn't like their relationship because it was such a manipulating, gaslighting type relationship to me. It never felt real or authentic. And I'm not, that's not a knock on the performances because I thought the performances were great, but it didn't feel like this Romeo and Juliet type love story, even though I don't like that love story either. But I do want to just single out because I think he's a fantastic actor anyway, and I just think he deserves more recognition. And that's Jason Clark, who played Red Hamilton. That's, that's, that's the guy. Yeah, who you were trying to think of. He's so, he's such a good actor. He is an actor that I don't think a lot of people, talk about because he kind of just kind of easily slips into the characters he plays and into the movie and he's very much like a character actor more than he is like a leading man but he's so good and i know michael mann um that was his big takeaway i guess when he was like when they did in the commentary track for this movie i guess he just kept saying how great jason clark was over and over and over again and how he was one of the best actors he'd ever worked with and I think he is a fantastic actor. And so I just wanted to point that performance out because I don't think Jason Clark gets enough credit, period. <laughs> He's such a fantastic <laughs> actor. And uh, I really, I think the scene when he's dying and he has those moments with Dillinger, I, that his performance elevated that scene because that scene, because we don't know much about these characters really, very easily could have fallen flat, but I think because his performance was so good, it felt a little bit more real. I still didn't feel anything for him, but it felt a little bit more real than what was on the page. Because like you said, Meg, it's very hard to talk about characters in this movie because characters are so thinly written that they're interchangeable. Like I kept like in the big like shootouts and in the bank scenes, everything like that. I'd be like, wait, is that who's who's that again? Wait, wait, who, what, who's that one? Who's that one? And honestly, I didn't even realize that was Channing Tatum. I'd forgotten that was Channing Tatum because it didn't look <laughs> like Channing Tatum to me. 
until I went back and looked at the credits and or until the credits rolled. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Shani Tatum's in this. What? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But that's the problem is there's so many characters in here and there's no central focus. There is supposedly on Dillinger and on Purvis, but it still feels out of focus, if that makes sense. So you never get to really care about these characters. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that really care about Dillinger when watching this movie. But for me, I didn't. Um, but that's just uh, that's just because the way he treated Billy was so horrendous to me that I could not like him <laughs> at all. Ugh. I feel like I feel like there was no reason to have uh, Pretty Boy Floyd or frankly, Babyface Nelson in this movie for more than a second. Like, no. like we didn't need who cares? I think they're like, oh, here are two big names of depression area gangsters. Mm-hmm. Let's why not just throw them in there? Um, rather than, like I said, I think this would have been a really interesting movie if we had done a like, here's a focus on Dillinger, here's a focus on Purvis, and here is two opposite sides of a coin and see where they're going, where they meet for that final showdown, or like, or just the pers- like, it didn't ever feel like it was a real great story of cat and mouse or anything yeah. like that yeah and for me it felt like they were trying to smash together john diligence john dillinger's story with the beginnings of the fbi yeah and it just it did not work like they were trying to do too much and ended up coming up short on absolutely everything that they were trying to do yeah right. Well, and I mean, like, that's a logical kind of thought to have because John Dillinger really was a big part of why the FBI came to be in in how they were because these bank robbers, they would just go from state to state and cross that state line and then you couldn't arrest them for anything. Like, they could just drive an hour from, if they robbed a bank in Madison, drive an hour and they'd be in Illinois and you couldn't arrest them because the crime wasn't committed in Illinois. So, like, it logically, I can see why they wanted to do that, but I just felt like it was so shoddily put together. And I think they really missed an opportunity to have a really interesting movie about these two men and their opposing ideas and, and, and missions. And I feel like, Billy Frechette herself was would be a very interesting character to follow. She also died here in Wisconsin. And uh, I just, I feel like they tried to do too much and still managed to do nothing. Yeah, it was very muddled and it wasn't mm-hmm. focused. And yeah. that's that's why the movie doesn't work. Because yeah. Like, who cares about the racetrack? Even though, yeah, well, and even though you have this story that is, that does make sense because that's the way history was to put this together. If you're going to do that, you have to at least be focused on something mm-hmm. and have it make sense to be in the same movie together because it felt like two separate movies. It didn't feel like the same movie. It felt like here we are in gangster land and then here we are in um in um the the you know training video for the FBI. And so it was like here we are in this exciting stuff and then here we are ta- you know being like bored out of my mind kind of thing (laughs) so you know that's what i mean lastly what i want to talk about with this movie is and we've already kind of really talked about this already but if there's anything else you want to add 
Carla to how well or not so well the film handles its portrayal of the mafia and the FBI. This movie is so cartoonish. It's really hard to to uh, to say, oh, well, it handled it well or it handled it poorly because it handled everything poorly. So it, it just everything comes. Yes, except for, for your cameo. <laughs> so for your cameo. When you gifted them with the, with the <laughs> presents. <laughs> yes, with, with your presents, of course. But as with Rescue Dawn, like we talked about last week and the propaganda and everything, it, it's, you know, the FBI is the good guy and they're set up for, you know, to do great things. And Melvin Purvis is a shining example of what an FBI person is without going into any details about the other things that the FBI was doing since its inception to continue the oppression of black people. So it, it's like, to me, you know, like their portrayal of the FBI. And when it comes to the mafia thing, it, it's just so cartoonish and outlandish the way that, that it, um, that it depicts all of them, you know, like if, if you're going to, do it like that, then you might as well go full, you know, like 1940s, 50s type movie with like, like, um, look here, she. That's the twin. <laughs> whatever. Like, <laughs> but, but just that, that, that whole spirit yeah. of, you yeah. know, just like, fall deep into it, really go into it or go home. Like, I, I, you can see glimmers of what they think that they're doing, but they, just I handled poorly, I think, is the subtitle of this of this film. Public enemies handled poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Meg, I know you think this is the pinnacle of It is. It is honestly, <laughs> it is the greatest achievement of mankind, humankind. Of Michael Mankind. <laughs> I think it's really irritating in a lot of ways because, and I've talked about it, um, they do this thing where they're like, oh yeah, see, some of the FBI guys are jerks too when they're beating the shit out of Billy, Billy uh, Frechette, who is, yeah, she's harboring a, har- harboring a criminal, but whatever, but there's no reason to beat the living shit out of her and make her piss her pants by not letting her um, use the restroom. And on one hand, they see like, hey, see, there's these bad FBI guys. FBI guys can be bad, too. But then immediately, Melvin Purvis is there to rescue her. Yeah. They portrayed the Little Bohemia raid as a sort of success because they kill Babyface Nelson and they kill Red Hamilton. And and like they like they got them. They got some of them. Um, they completely ignore the fact that they actually killed innocent human beings who had nothing to do with anything and they were just there for dinner. They were leaving the restaurant to go to dinner and before stopping to ask them any questions, they were they were killed. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about what a failure that raid was, and that's something that's really frustrating for me. On the other hand, like on the other side I don't consider this to be in any form a portrayal of mafia because there's not an organized crime really element to it. He was a gangster in that. Yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, but and, you know that, I mean. and that he robbed banks and stuff like that. And 
there is a big romanticizing thing, especially about this era of gangsters. Um, because like I said, it's very much sticking it to the man. People were desperate. People were literally eating boot leather. And to have the idea of like this almost becoming a folk hero because not because he was helping in any way, because he wasn't, he wasn't helping anybody in any way, but he made this big claim about like how he never stole money from individual peoples. And he didn't, he didn't take money from any of the bank customers. He only took money from the bank. But this, this movie romanticizes that as well without actually getting into any of the idea that the justice system is actually what created John Dillinger. John Dillinger robbed a grocery store for $50 when he was 21 years old, pled guilty on his dad's advice because they figure you plead guilty, it's going to be a light sentence. They put him in jail for 10 years, and that's when he became a hardened criminal. And that's something that, and that's where I would say, like, I have some empathy for the little boy who grew up to be John Dillinger because he really never had a chance. He was a child when he basically when he went into prison for a petty crime that turned him into a murdering criminal. And I am a person who am I am guilty of really loving me some gangster stories. I do. I love me some Bonnie and Clyde. I love the Newton Boys, which is one that people don't seem to know that much about. And I really wanted this to be like this one thing that I was like it, when I was like doing all the filming and stuff and I was so excited and everyone, everyone who is a part of this movie was so excited and they were all wonderful. The people who were working on the film, um, we wanted it to be a really good gangster movie because who doesn't love a good gangster movie? Like, like the people or not, they're fun movies and, and, and when they're done well, the, the nuance and the intricacies of why this person becomes a criminal. Why is someone so smart and so charismatic going down this road instead of this road? Um, and it just, it just, it, it fell short in every single way. And that was so disappointing when I watched it for the first time. So I just, I have lots of thoughts and feelings about stuff, but now I'm going to take a step. But no, I, I I agree. I was very excited when this movie was announced. I was very excited when this movie came out because I love these kind of movies typically. And it's the same thing. I know they romanticize a lot of this, but at the same time, I have so much fun with them usually. Usually they're a lot more fun. This didn't seem that fun or interesting to me. And so I don't think they do a good job with it in the fact that I didn't, I, I I felt bored most of the time, honestly. And so you never want to feel bored in movies with this kind of subject matter. And the FBI stuff, I uh, I hate the FBI stuff in this movie because they should have just like, it was like they were too afraid to call the FBI horrible. So they had to make Melvin not all that bad because they were too afraid. And that, to me, seems like it might have been more of, I don't know if that was a writing issue or something like that, where maybe they wanted to make them all bad, but they decided not to, or they couldn't, you know, or like the Melvin Purvis's son wouldn't have helped them out if they made him into a bad guy. It could have been that too. I don't know the whole ins and outs of what happened behind the scenes or before they started making shooting the film, but I just, they just don't do a good job with 
anything really in the movie as far as those portrayals go. And again, this was a great filmmaker who was making this movie and they he had great actors at his disposal. So it's not like the tools weren't there. They just weren't utilized very well. And Michael Mann knows how to make these kind of movies. That's why it's so frustrating because he's made these kind of movies granted in in more modern settings, but he's made these kind of movies before. Heat was very much this kind of movie. So he knows how to do it. He just, you know, fell short. And I and I wonder if he thinks he fell short, but I don't know, but he'll never admit that, I'm sure. <laughs> or maybe he will. Yeah, I don't like know. That's the thing is every single every single person in this movie had in uh, involved in this movie had the talent and the skills and you would think the motivation to do something with it, but it felt it just felt messy. The whole movie just mm-hmm. feels messy, like they didn't know what to do. And I, I completely agree that they're like, well, the like even if the FBI, it's like the opposite with the FBI in this movie of one rotten air, uh, apple spoils the barrel. It's like there's a barrel of rotten apples, but there's one good one, good one, one. guys, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. one good one means we should keep the whole barrel of rotten apples. And that's yeah. what it felt like Melvin Purvis was supposed to be. And I am not saying that Melvin Purvis himself, the human being, was a bad person. I like I don't really honestly. I didn't spend a lot of time reading about lawmen. I liked to spend my time reading about the criminals. Yeah. They're, it's more interesting. It's they're more, more interesting. interesting. <laughs> they're more interesting than yeah. uh, than I chase bad guys. <laughs> like that's a that's that's a subjective thing. Like <laughs> Yeah. But I feel like he was the exception to prove the rule rather than the exception to the rule mm-hmm. um, that they were trying to, like, I don't know what they were trying to do, honestly. Well, and and honestly, you could even make the argument that they were doing the exact same thing with Dillinger as they were doing with Purvis because mm-hmm. they set Dillinger up where they would be other, like, especially with Babyface Nelson, where you had so many things where Dillinger, you could tell, did not like Babyface Nelson and didn't like the way that he handled things. And so you could almost say, like, well, these are the bad gangsters, but yeah. John Dillinger is not the bad gangster. And so it's okay to root for him because even though these other ones are because he's the shiny apple amongst the other ones so it's the same kind of thing they're kind of like parallel in a way there which they never explored how interesting that would have been to kind of look at that if you're really going to do that because they didn't they decided it wouldn't be interesting to do right they decided they were just gonna give us a job training video that's what it kept feeling (laughs) like how to be horrible in a horrible job (laughs) No one is the villain in their own story, but Dillinger was self-aware enough to know that his life was going to end bloody and violent. He never really believed that he was going to be able to, like, retire after one last big job. And I just also want you to imagine, had they been able to do what they initially wanted to do, was uh, bring Bonnie and Clyde Mm -hmm. into this story as well, because Bonnie and Clyde and Dillinger have ties. So could you imagine... Oh my the god. Mess. Oh my god. And like <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I like I don't know what happened with Michael Mann. I don't know what like if he had like I I, I don't know what happened where he's like I'm making this movie and then, oh wait no, I'm going to make this movie instead. Oh wait no, I'm going to make this movie instead and the people in the post uh 
post-production, we're like, all right, well, we're going to try and cut this shit together. We'll do our best. It's like 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 the the typical you know fix it in post kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it did not get fixed in post because there wasn't much there to work with. Yeah, I just think about all the other stuff they wanted to put in this movie, and I'm like, good like, lord, where it was already so scattered and unfocused, and it made me so sad. I feel like you know, like maybe the the Marvel Cinematic Universe people took a lesson from this and were like, we want to create something similar. But do it well and make it <laughs> successful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, we are actually going to wrap up this part. But I don't know if there's another Six Degrees of Finn. Did you do a Six Degrees of Finn, Mag? I did. Yay. I'm very proud of mine. I can't wait to do mine. But <laughs> so what's your Six Degrees of Finn, Mag? I'm less proud. Um, but because I... <laughs> I I I did Billy Crudup because I still feel like I should say sorry for trying <laughs> physically assault, trying to maul him trying to physically assault this like I swear to God the AD saw me like getting ready to like run and, and literally ask this man we were told very clearly that we were not to talk to the principal actors like they seemed lovely and everything like that uh but we were the ad's and and pas and all the stuff were like do not talk to the principal <laughs> and i was like it's i was not there the first day of filming so i'm like i don't know if this is what they did at the beginning or people were just real excited in wisconsin because <laughs> <laughs> uh, i am not the only person in wisconsin who likes to talk uh so i did billy crudup and he was in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, well, you know, it's important. Uh, he was with Russell Crowe, who was in Winter's Tale with Finn Rock. Awesome. Hey, and you know who else is in Winter's Tale? Me. My future husband, Colin Farrell. You <laughs> <laughs> Farrell, I'll take birth. <laughs> the two Fs. The Collins. Um, a tale of two Collins. The yeah. Collinses. <laughs> the double <laughs> wedding. <laughs> but wait, I want to do zero. How many? How I should have done how many degrees? I am from Finwit Rock. Oh, wait. <laughs> let me just add one more. I'm going to do Megan Griffin. I was in Public Enemies with Billy Crudup. Who was yeah. in Justice League with Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> in Winter's Tale. So I used Jason Clark, and Jason Clark was in the movie The Devil All the Time with Bill Skarsgård, who was in Hemlock Grove with Fomka Jansen, who was in this movie called The Postcard with Dennis O'Hare, who was in American Horror Story Hotel with Finn. And I loved that I got to that because that was my the only couple I've ever shipped in American Horror Story Universe is Tristan, played by Finn Whitrock. And Liz, played by the great Dennis O'Hare. I love Dennis O'Hare. He was great in True Blood. Fantastic. Fantastic actor. Just absolutely fantastic. Just best character ever in 
the American Horror Story universe was was that. So, oh gosh, Christian's back. One moment, please. <laughs> Hi, Christian. Hi, Christian. Hello again. Hi. Yes. Hi. Before you go, I wanted to say yet again, it has been so far a wonderful month, and I appreciate the celebration of my collected works. Um, you really kind of dropped the ball on this one, Christian. Now, hold on even more. We love you. I did the best I could. Christian, come oh, back. He's Christian. holding it on himself. Aw, Christian. Aw. Aw. Well, Christian, I'm still <laughs> I'm still so excited for your upcoming movie uh, with Maggie, the one that Maggie Gyllenhaal is, is writing and directing, the new Bride of Frankenstein movie. I cannot wait to see this movie. So I'm so excited for you again. So I'm bringing it back Thank to you. Thank you. I do think it'll be quite interesting. I cannot wait until I see it myself. You look so confused, <laughs> Christian. Confused? How, Meg? <laughs> Man, you know what? Your wardrobe changes are getting better and better. Oh, no, you see, it's only my facial expression. I always wear the same thing <laughs> on my days off. <laughs> your days off. I always, wear, I always wear a full suit on my days off. Don't you? I've seen you, Christian, on your days off with your dad wardrobe. <laughs> oh, those are my decoy clothes. <laughs> Ta-ta! Ta-ta! Adios! <laughs> that was okay. the most Wisconsin adios ever. <laughs> adios, eh? <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. And um, thank you again to Carla and Meg, the co-hosts of Bedwet or Behead Pod. And thank you, as always, to Christian for stopping by every year and, you know, lounging on Carla's futon. I appreciate you being a part of the podcast. <laughs> he enjoys his winters in South Florida. What can I say? Yes. Yes. But thank you again for helping me round this out. So I'm going to go ahead and have my lovely panelists tell us all where they can be found and where their podcast bedwetter behead pot bedwet you know bedwetter behead oh my god it's okay you got it <laughs> heck happened to me can be found so carla, <laughs> carla easy for you to say <laughs> <laughs> yes you can find bedwetter behead pod wherever you find your podcasts or any other podcast some other podcasts that we may not have heard of are probably also where we are but look for bedwetter behead and check out our amazing catalog of fantastic episodes we really have a great time uh recording and uh i have heard from reputable sources i.e my friends and family that we are a hoot so you should definitely check us out and you should look for our online presence our social medias on the social medias places look for bedwetter behead podcast and you will find them and you can interact with us and we may interact back if we remember our login information. <laughs> you can also find me, my art, and my musings on TikTok and Instagram at Carla Temis or my web or my or my website. Oi. <laughs> or pardon me. Let me hop back onto the into the English speaker train. Or my website, CarlaTemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S. Dot com. That was amazing. 
So, Meg, other than Bedwetter Behead Pod, where can they, they find you? Well, you can find me on the silver screen of Public Enemies. Um, you can find me in, I believe it's the Wisconsin State Journal <laughs> from March or April, I can't remember, of 2008. You can find me and if you search for, I believe it's WKOW27 Madison <laughs> um, story in 2008 about the filming of Public <laughs> Enemies. <laughs> Um, you can find me in a great review of my performance of a comedy, a comedy <laughs> of errors that I performed while also filming this movie because I am a multi-talented woman. I am able to balance booked and busy baby theater and film all at once, <laughs> all, while, all while growing inside of my body. And planning a wedding. Like, I am multifaceted. You can find me in all of those places. If you want something that is less than 15 years old, you can find me on all of the social medias at Wisconsinac, which is W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. But really, don't you want to just look at me <laughs> from 2008? Aaron is like, I have never regretted asking a panelist where I could find them until this moment. And lately, you can find me on my couch. <laughs> don't try and find her there, please. No, please don't be creepy. It's not difficult, but don't be don't be a purpose about it. Uh well, you know. Meg may have been in a movie with Christian Bale, but I was an extra who got paid, who got paid nothing but got a pe but got something off the ice cream truck to be in a movie with Dean Kane, where we were told not to look at him. <laughs> we were told not to look at him. So, you know, I mean, Dean Kane or Christian Bale. <laughs> and, and also getting paid. I was paid nothing. I got nothing ice cream truck. <laughs> And we and I did like a couple days too, yeah. Where I was, yeah, like, those yeah. two twelve to fourteen to fifteen yeah. hour days of filming, I got paid. See, I didn't plus pizza, hundred dollars <laughs> plus pizza, and I can't even remember what I ate. My and five time. lungful, lungful <laughs> of cigarette yeah. smoke. <laughs> but anyway, but but it doesn't. But it doesn't. Compared to being told, don't look or speak to Dean Kane. Right. <laughs> and, and half the people, half the extras going, who is Dean Kane? <laughs> I was going to say, do not look directly at D-list actor Dean Kane. D-list actor and conspiracy theorist Dean yes. Kane. <laughs> we did get to sit in a hot park with no, no, no shade and then got to get some stuff from an ice cream truck. So that that was... Fun, let me tell you. Anyway, <laughs> so Fergie has never been in a movie, but she should be in a movie or she should even be on stage. She would be, uh, she is such a character. She would be great. She would be a great, great movie dog, I think. Personally, I do actually think this. Um, but you can follow her and see some of her antics on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. It's long, but it's worth it. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. 
on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, Christian Bale, feel free to reach out to us via our website, it's a fandomthingpod.com, not Dean Kane. Um, <laughs> click the Don't look at him. Don't look <laughs> at him. Yeah. <laughs> click the contact us button there and that'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And next Friday, oh, also, I want to say really quickly, go in the link in our show notes for our Fandom Choice Awards, our second annual Fandom Choice Awards, and vote for your favorites in the 18 categories there. So you can vote until it's like February 11th, Sunday, February 11th. So go do that. Um, your your ballot is anonymous, and uh, we would appreciate, and um, all the nominees will appreciate your votes. Uh, and then next Friday, we are going to kick off our annual Black History Month celebration with a look at actress Regina Hall. And then for the rest of the month, it's going to be Queen Latifah, Tina Turner, and then the listener pick, which won by a landslide on both Instagram and Twitter. And that's in vogue. So that's how we are spending February. I'm very excited for February. It's another month that I look forward to as far as podcast, not necessarily real world but i'm very excited about it and then also february 1st the first it's a dean thing episode drops so just putting that out there too so (laughs) so until next time remember it's a fandom thing black lives matter and stop asian hate